the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A lot of sins we commit, we can pray for forgiveness, and God is good, isn't he? He's good to forgive us of our sin. He might whoop our butt, and sometimes you need it, but he's going to forgive you, and you're going to be healed, and you're going to rise up and say, Lord, I learned the lesson. Other sins you commit, and you fail to heed the warning, God will let you live in those sins and die in those sins. God is not obligated to rescue you from your friends. series is called Arise, Move, and Go, and today we find ourselves back in the book of Judges, chapter 16, verses 18 through 31, as we take a look at a lesson that Pastor Jessica Stand is simply entitled, Samson Sleeps In. It's that point where Samson loses his hair to Delilah, and it is a sobering illustration for you and I today as we are commanded to arise, move, and go, not sit, sleep and lose your strength. With today's broadcast of Way of Grace from Grace Bible Church in Hayward, online at grace-bible.com. Once again, here's Pastor Jesse. You can't tell me that there's something, there's not something profound about him innocently laying his head in his lover's lap and then waking up and not only has she shaved off all his head, but she'd been beating on him for who knows how long. Did y'all hear what I just stated? That's what the word afflicted means. The word afflicted doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean the crazy stuff that crazy people do in sexual liaisons. That's weird. That's not this. It's the same term that's used concerning uh, slave masters who whip their servants. It's the term that's used of the Egyptians when they afflicted the children of Israel. Do y'all hear me? Physically afflicting them. In other words, she beating this brother down. Now, stay with me. Something changed, huh? Did something change when the man who just a few years ago beat down 30 of the Philistines in his first occasion and then in his second occasion wiped out 1,000 all by himself? I told you he's a one-man wrecking crew. The Holy Ghost so full on Samson, he takes out 30, then he takes out 1,000 and drinks from the brook in the name of Jesus. That's called being spiritually vital. That's when the spirit of God is working in your life to overcome your foes, giving you grace to subdue your enemies in Jesus' name. But now the brother can't even extricate himself from a woman. Something changed. I don't want you to get away without us really drilling that through. Don't, something changed, didn't it? She was able to put him to sleep 
into a deep enough sleep that she could have cut his arm off and he would have, wouldn't have known. She was able to cut all his hair off, which is a symbolic point of his own betrayal, as we know. That's what verses 16 through 19 is all about. She realized that he had given her all his heart. If you cut my hair, I'll be like any other man. She got it. Now her allegiance, now Samson's allegiance to God is broken. Because I don't care how bad that sister is. There's no way you give up God for a woman. There's no way you give up God for a man. There's no way you give up God for any human being. Not when God has blessed you the way God has blessed you and anointed you and allowed you to have a kind of reputation that glorified him like Samson did. When, when you got God working in your life the way he worked in Samson's life. I mean, this brother is unique all by himself. A grand picture of my Lord Jesus Christ. I told you. He was God's one man wrecking crew, didn't need nobody else with him to fight the battles of the Lord. But you see how when we are simultaneously righteous and sinful, as much as God may be inclined to use us, we still have a propensity like James says. Do you not know that the spirit that dwells in you lusts to envy? You will still struggle with something else, even if God is using you mightily. If you're not constantly framing your thinking in a way in which you watch out for the way you go into these autonomic focus traps. Anybody keeping up with me? Because I've been teaching you about this. When you lose sight of the big picture and you go into these focus traps and once you get into these focus traps, you're complaining about what you don't have. But really, it's a matter of you not seeing all that you do have. And it's apparent that Samson frequently fell into a focus trap, right? It's apparent that he did. And and so here he is in a situation where he goes, ah, I have found the lover of my soul. I can ne'er rest. But he was wrong because the world does not love God. Evil communication will corrupt good manners. You hang out with the wrong people and you will lose your orientation to God. It will destroy your capacity to stay awake. It will destroy your capacity to maintain healthy boundaries. It will destroy your capacity to say no when it's time to say no. Because you are going to sleep with your eyes wide open. She began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. Now, saints, listen, all this is while he sleep. That boy sleep, isn't he? That boy's sowing some wood. We can build us a mansion out of all that wood he's sowing. This is what we call the sleep of compromise. And here's what I want you to get. The expectation of your identity. Whatever you have, your gifts, your strength. And your, your need to be conf- con, uh, confirmed, confirmed, that's one of the big issues today. The need to be confirmed by people, even if it's a lie. You have a need to be confirmed by, by people. And people will lie to you. Tell me lies, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. People will lie to you. And that's the group you'll hang out with, with people that will lie to you on your way to hell. Because they're not going to tell you, hey, look, you said you was a child of God. What you doing over here with us? They will lie to you and let you go to hell. 
Now, really what they want to do is see you conform to their image. I'm almost there. Really what they want to do is see you stripped of your identity because your identity in Christ is a problem to them. It's way too much light. It's way too much light. Sleeping sinners don't want awakened sinners. Can I unpack that a bit? Just a tad. Because I get what David said. I get what Samson needs. And, and, uh, and I want to share this with you. You can be half sleep in your sinful lethargy of disobedience to God. Be just, but just be just wake enough, awoke enough to be able to talk to people about Jesus. Did that make some sense? Of course it did. Now they watching your eyes drooping while you're saying Jesus, this Jesus, that Jesus, other thing. And they're saying, we just hold on a minute. We hold on a minute. They'll stop talking about Jesus because we can see they going to sleep. I'm making some sense. And the wicked are waiting for you to go to sleep so you can stop talking about Jesus. Because once you stop talking about Jesus, the lights go out and men love darkness rather than light. The party is in the dark where Jesus is not honored. Now you cool to hang out with them as long as you keep your mouth shut. This is what we hated about this COVID thing. Don't tell me to keep my mouth shut. God may be in his image and God is a God that talks and he talks a lot. And the way we solve problems is talking. Is that true? We solve problems by talking. Don't tell me to shut my mouth. I, I know you're trying to hide something from me when you tell me to shut my mouth. I want to have a conversation with you because out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speak and I want to know what's in your heart. Let's not be covering up each other because I'm trying to figure out what you look like and what you sound like because I want to know what the truth is. And you can ask me plainly and we can have the conversation. I will tell you what I know in Jesus name and suffer the consequences. You don't have to agree with me, but I'm, I'm, I want to be free to tell it like I know it. And that's called a child of the living God. That's a child of the living God. Children of God are not told to be shut up by nobody but God. But when you allow yourself to be self-inflicted, when you oppose upon your own self the infliction that censors your own mouth because you are exporting your identity to somebody else, you are showing your propensity to be a slave. And that's what's going on here with our brother Samson. The sleep of compromise has led to that and the Bible's explicitly clear. She started afflicting him. And this is what Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 11 again, verse 20. He talked about the false prophets coming in, pull that up, the false prophets coming into the church and ruling over the people and dominating them and abusing them. That's what false religion does to you. False religion psychologically abuses its subordinates. It gets in your head. It takes the place of God. It doesn't give you freedom of judgment to think things through. It tells you absolutely what you should do. And even if you say, but the Bible says, they say, look, if you're going to be in this place, you're going to do what we tell you to do. That is cultic affliction that comes at the psychological level that a people that want to be your God instead of point you to who God is. And that goes on in every community, whether religious or not, where people are weak minded, exporting their identity to somebody else so they can have a sense of value. Now, when you're under the gospel, 
The goal of the gospel is to teach you who God is in Christ and teach you who you are outside of Christ or inside of Christ. What that means is you get teachers who explain the word like I'm doing and then exhort you like I'm trying to do and then exalt Jesus, which we're about to do. That's how your Bible is to be taught. Am I making sense? That's how your Bible is to be taught. You are not to think that we're dealing with a fairy tale book. It's God's word helping you to overcome the very difficulties in this generation that many other saints went through in previous generations. And a lot of times God is warning us because we will make mistakes that will lead to our death. There is a sin unto death. A believer will die. Do you hear me? A believer will die. Don't play games with God. John put it very clearly in 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. 1 John chapter 5, verse 16, you already see this. They exalt themselves, they beat you down, they take of you. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and they shall give him life. In other words, a lot of sins we commit, we can pray for forgiveness and God is good, isn't he? He's good to forgive us of our sin. He might whoop our butt and sometimes you need it, but he's going to forgive you and you're going to be healed and you're going to rise up and say, Lord, I learned the lesson. Other sins you commit and you fail to heed the warning, God will let you live in those sins and die in those sins. God is not obligated to rescue you from your friends. And he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. You guys see that? God says there's a sin unto death. And here's what will often happen in communities. I got a little time. Here's what will often happen in communities. And it can be small communities or large. If you're a believer, often you are praying for a stubborn loved one. Y'all don't know nothing about that. And you've been praying for years and that stubborn loved one continues in that sinful pattern. We can just name a long list, can't we? And what God will do is do, he will not give you any more grace to pray for them. Can I ask you a question? Is God deaf and dumb where he can't hear? Does he have amnesia? Does he have Alzheimer's? Does he have dementia? We do, he doesn't. Does he forget the first prayer you prayed? Does we, do we have to say, God, don't, don't forget, don't forget. There's a point at which in the symbiotic relationship between us and God, he doesn't give you grace to pray for that person anymore. Did you hear what I just stated? Because he's not going to answer that prayer. That's what he told Jeremiah, didn't he? Jeremiah, stop praying for them. It's enough. I'm going to punish them. See, the thing you and I have to learn, child of God, is to see when God takes his hands off of people and lets them go. Am I making some sense? Of course I am. But I'm talking to spiritual people here now. I'm talking to people who are interested in seeing the kingdom of God comprehensively. I'm not talking to church folk because church folk are blind to these nuances that I'm talking about. People that are serious about God are serious about the spiritual dimension and therefore an appropriate understanding and analysis of the sociological, psychological factors of interrelationships with people and with God. We want to be able to discern when people are drifting from God. We want to be able to see the mechanisms and the strategies and the techniques that the world uses to draw our kids away. We want to be able to feel and sense and be sensible towards uh, emotional coldness against God and emotional coldness against the saints. 
Because largely what happens is when a person is drifting from God, they drift from the saints. This is almost axiomatic. I know what I'm talking about. You're not going to be around hot saints with a cohort unless you're asking God to warm you back up. And what you should know is asking God to help you takes the grace of God. Please listen to me. Almost there. Will you notice how long it takes for Samson to pray to God? Y'all keeping up with me now? I'm going to show you something real stupid, but it's very practical amongst us. Now, notice what begins to happen here. Go back to our text. I'm going to show you because I want you to see it. At verse 19, we discover that she puts him to sleep. She shaves his head. She afflicts him and his strength goes from him. Right. His strength. goes. That's a study in itself. Verse 20. And she said, the Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he awakes out of his sleep. Right. So it appears. And he said, Lord, have mercy on me. And he said, Lord, draw near to me. And he said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I repent. His heart is hardened. He's blind. He's blind. Literally and spiritually. He's blind and then he's going to be made physically blind because he's blind to what he should be seeing. And this is where Christians are today. They're blind to their condition and they're blind to their need. Am I making some sense? Because see, something happened when he started the liaison with Delilah to where he started presuming upon God. I told you about that. Don't presume on God. He started presuming upon God. And now he's thinking those battles that he fought earlier were won in his own strength. So he rises up saying, I'm going to shake myself. What? What do you mean you're going to shake yourself? You didn't shake yourself the first time. You didn't shake yourself the second time. You didn't shake yourself the third time. God was the one that intervened in your life. He quickened you by the spirit of God. He gave you grace to rise up. And now he's going to show you without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do shake yourself. Are you kidding? Shake yourself. How foolish is that? Shake yourself. Here you are. You've been sewing wood. That chick cut all your hair off, beat you down, tied you up. And now you're going to shake yourself. You are stealing God's glory when you do that. You are taking God's glory from him when you do that. God has to help you. God has to help you. See, but when you're proud in heart, he'll give you over to a delusion. That was a strong delusion Samson was operating in. Is that right? That's a strong delusion. I will shake myself. What? You and I saw nothing like that the first three campaigns, did we? Okay, let me show you something as we go on. Just keep it moving. The first time that Samson is confronted by opposition was in the metaphor and simile of the lion while he was walking down towards um, the Philistine country. And remember how God taught Samson whenever the spirit of God was with Samson, that when Samson was dealing with opposition, the spirit of God would come upon him mightily. See, so some of us know what it's like when we have God's anointing. We know what it's like. We know when God gives us power to stand against the enemy, to bear up under trials. Some of us know the anointing. We know when God puts us in a place where we are supra dependent upon him 
and expecting of him to empower us to stand in a trial or fight against a wicked uh, opposition. And when he works in us mightily to do it, we know it was his grace. Because when it's over with, we're humbled by the victory. We're humbled by the victory. You keeping up with me? And we thank God for the anointing. I do. And I beg him never to take it away. Never to take it away. Don't grant me a false revelation towards something or someone that I think is better than you. Nothing is better than God's anointing on the soul. Nothing is better than God's anointing on the soul. Nothing is better than God's. No drink, no drugs, no women, no wine, no men, no nothing. No nothing is better than the anointing. But in the mystery of our iniquity, we'll turn it in when we get trapped in these focus traps and lose what we have. And this is exactly what Samson did. We saw him win that battle with the 30. We saw him win it with the thousand. And then all of a sudden we saw something happen. Do you know what it was? When he went in and slept with that harlot, there was no anointing. There was a deliverance. God allowed him to escape. That's called a passive victory. Did y'all get that? He just picked up the gates and ran. God gave him enough, enough blessing to, to get out of there. But he should have knew something was wrong right there. Oh, wait a minute. Passive power, not active power. Am I making some sense? In other words, he didn't, he didn't put himself in a position to go offensive on the Philistines that were strategically around him. Now he's running. Now he got bionic legs. And he running before he beating them down. This is when the anointing is now being compromised. You can run. This time he got caught. Did y'all catch it? No, you didn't look at verse 21. But the Philistines did what? But the Philistines did what? Took him. That's our word. Take it. Remember I taught you guys that? Dealing with the point of if you don't rise, move and go, you will be what? If you don't arise, move and go, you will be taken. See, he should have rose, move and went, didn't, shouldn't he? But he didn't do it. And so he's taken. But the Philistines took him. The Philistines took him. The Philistines took him. And they took him because for all intents and purposes, he was a Philistine now. Stay with me. I got a few more minutes to go. He was no longer symbolically God's unique servant, obviously different than everybody else in his garb and his dress and his anointing. They stripped him down and turned him into a Philistine. They stripped him down and turned him into a Philistine. He's nothing but a Philistine. And all of the Philistine people are slaves of sin. They're slaves of sin. And now he's a slave, isn't he? But it's worse than that because he's a blind slave. And they're getting ready to have a party with him because he was the champion that gave them all kind of hell, whipping up on them all the time. Now they got him. And that's how the enemy works. He always wants to take the head of the family and the heads of community and the heads of churches. Because if you get the head, you got the body. They always want to take out the head. They always want to take out the head, but the Philistines took him, put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza, brought him down to Gaza. Let me say something about that. This battle wasn't in Gaza. Delilah was not a Philistine. Delilah was a chick that lived a couple minutes away from where Samson lived. She was in between the flesh and the spirit. Delilah was the lust 
of the eyes that led to the pride of life. Now remember the Philistines are the lust of the flesh, right? All that's in the world is the lust of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Now Philistine was a beautiful, uh, Delilah was a beautiful woman that Samson set his eyes on. And guess what God had to do? Take his eyes out. Remember what Jesus says, it's better to lose your eyes than to have both eyes and go to hell. Can I talk to you guys for a few more minutes? It's better to lose your eyes than to um, go, to, uh, go to hell with your eyes wide open. There are a lot of people going to hell with their eyes wide open. So is God humbling his servant? Yes, he is. And see, this idea of taking the servant and plucking their eyes out means that the Philistines knew that uh, Samson was a ruler. Because when you capture rulers, you demoralize rulers publicly. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening, Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.